Hi, welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. This is episode four of The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. Roman numeral four. Contentment is the gracious frame of the heart. Indeed, in contentment, there is a compound of all graces. If the contentment is spiritual, if it is truly Christian, there is, I say, a compound of all spiritual graces. As in some oils, there is a compound of a great many precious ingredients. So it is in this grace of contentment, which we shall say more of in unfolding its excellence. But now, the gracious frame of spirit is in opposition to three things. Number one, in opposition to the natural quietness of many men and women. Some are so constituted by nature that they are more still and quiet. Others are of a violent and hot constitution, and they are more impatient. Number two, in opposition to a sturdy resolution. Some men, through the strength of a sturdy resolution, do not seem to be troubled, come what may. So they are not disquieted as much as others. Number three, by way of distinction from the strength of natural, though unsanctified, reason, which may quiet the heart in some degree. But now I say that a gracious frame of spirit is not merely a stillness of the body, which comes from its natural constitution and temper, nor a sturdy resolution, nor merely through the strength of reason. You will ask, In what way is the grace of contentment distinguished from all these? More will be spoken of this when we come to show the mystery of contentment in the lessons to be learned. But now we may speak a little by way of distinction from the natural quietness of men's spirits. Many men and women have such a natural quietness of spirit and such a bodily constitution that you seldom find them disquieted. Now, mark these people, and you will see that they are likewise of a very dull spirit in any good matter. They have no quickness nor liveliness of spirit in such matters either. But where contentment of heart springs from grace, the heart is very quick and lively in the service of God. Yea, the more any gracious heart can bring itself to be in a contented disposition, the more fit it is for any service of God. It is very active and lively, not dull in the service of God. And just as a contented heart is very active and busy in the work of God, so he is very active and busy in sanctifying God's name in the affliction that befalls him. The difference is very clear. The one whose disposition is quiet is not disquieted as others are, but neither does he show any activeness of spirit to sanctify the name of God in his affliction. But, on the other hand, 
He whose contentment is of grace is not disquieted and keeps his heart quiet with regard to vexation and trouble and at the same time is not dull or heavy but very active to sanctify God's name in the affliction that he is experiencing. For if a man is to be free from discontent and worry, it is not enough merely not to murmur, but you must be active in sanctifying God's name in the affliction. Indeed, this will distinguish it from a sturdy resolution not to be troubled. Though you have a sturdy resolution that you will not be troubled, do you make it a matter of conscience to sanctify God's name in your affliction? And is this where your resolution comes from? That is the main thing that brings quietness of heart and helps against discontent in a gracious heart. I say, the desire and care your soul has to sanctify God's name in an affliction is what quietens the soul, and this is what others lack. A quietness which comes from reason only does not do this either. It is said of Socrates that though he were only a heathen, he would never so much as change his countenance, whatever befell him. And he got this power over his spirit merely by the strength of reason and morality. But gracious contentment comes from principles beyond the strength of reason. I cannot develop that until we come to unfold the mystery of spiritual contentment. I will give you just one mark of the difference between a man or woman who is content in a natural way and one who is content in a spiritual way. Those who are content in a natural way overcome themselves when outward afflictions befall them and are content. They are just as content when they commit sin against God, when they have outward crosses, or when God is dishonored. It is all one to them, whether they themselves are crossed or whether God is crossed. But a gracious heart that is contented with its own affliction will rise up strongly when God is dishonored. Number five, the fifth characteristic of contentment is freely submitting to and taking pleasure in God's disposal. It is a free work of the Spirit. There are three things to be explained in this freedom of the Spirit. Number one, that the heart is readily brought over. When someone does a thing freely, he does not need a lot of moving to get him to do it. Many men and women, when afflictions are heavy upon them, may be brought to a state of contentment with great ado. At last, perhaps, they may be brought to quiet their hearts in their affliction, but only with a great deal of trouble and not at all freely. If I desire a thing of someone else, and I get it with much ado and a great deal of trouble, there is no freedom of spirit here. 
When a man is free in a thing, only mention it, and immediately he does it. So if you have learned this art of contentment, you will not only be content and quiet your hearts after a great ado, but as soon as you come to see that it is the hand of God, your heart acts readily and closes at once. Number two, it is freely, that is, not by constraint. Not, as we say, patience by force. Thus, many will say that you must be content. This is the hand of God and you cannot help it. Oh, but that is too low an expression for Christians. Yet when Christians come to visit one another, they say, friend or neighbor, you must be content. Must be content is too low for a Christian. No, it should be readily and freely. I will be content. It is suitable to my heart to yield to God and to be content. I find it a thing that comes naturally that my soul should be content. Oh, you should answer your friends, so who come and tell you that you must be content. No, I am willing to yield to God, and I am freely content. That is the second point about freedom of spirit. Now a free act comes in a rational manner. That is freedom. It does not come through ignorance, because I know of no better condition or because I do not know what my affliction is, but it comes through a sanctified judgment. That is why no creature but a rational creature can do an act of freedom. Liberty of action is only in rational creatures and comes from hence, for that is only freedom that is done in a rational way. Natural freedom is when I, by my judgment, see what is to be done, understand the thing, and my judgment agrees with what I understand. That is done freely. But if a man does something not understanding what he is doing, he cannot be said to do it freely. Suppose a child was born in prison and never went outside of it. He is content, but why? Because he never knew anything better. His being content is not a free act, but for men and women who know better, who know that the condition they are in is an afflicted and sad condition, and still, by a sanctified judgment, can bring their hearts to contentment, this is freedom. Number three, this freedom is in opposition to mere stupidity. A man or woman may be contented merely from lack of sense. This is not free any more than a man who is paralyzed in a deadly way and does not feel it when you nip him is patient freely. But if someone should have their flesh pinched and feel it, and yet for all that can control themselves and do it freely, that is another matter. So it is here. Many are contented out of mere stupidity. They have a dead paralysis upon them. But a gracious heart has sense enough and yet is contented and therefore is free. 
Number six, contentment is freely submitting to and taking pleasure in God's disposal. Submitting to God's disposal. What is that? The word submit signifies nothing else but to send under. Thus in one who is discontented, the heart will be unruly and would even get above God so far as discontent prevails. But now comes the grace of contentment and sends it under. For to submit is to send under a thing. Now when the soul comes to see its own unruliness, is the hand of God bringing an affliction and yet my heart is troubled and discontented? discontented? What it says, will you be above God? Is this not God's hand? And must your will be regarded more than God's? Oh, under, under, get you under, O oh soul, keep under, keep low, keep under God's feet. You are under God's feet, and keep under his feet. Keep under the authority of God, the majesty of God, the sovereignty of God, the power that God has over you. To keep under, that is to submit. The soul can submit to God at the time when it can send itself under the power and authority and sovereignty and dominion that God has over it. That is the sixth point, but even that is not enough. You have not attained this grace of contentment until the next point is true of you. This concludes episode four of Jeremiah Burroughs, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment.